Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, and this one definitely won't be. <laughs> so let's, so get, let's started. get started. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you already forgot how to do it. We broke the format one time. One time. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally ruined. I think it was absolutely worth it last uh, last episode. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, you are absolutely, or you're absolutely missing out because I think we had a great discussion with Serenity and Andres uh, about the WDC announcements. And it was just an absolute treat for us to be able to do an interview at the Developer Center to talk to, you know, sort of to talk to them and get kind of the first, the, sort of the first party, um, you know, impressions and things that they had. But I think now it's like we can take, take, take a step back and have more of our personal impressions and, uh, thoughts from coming out of WDC and what we're excited about and interested in and what our summer might look like, I think. Yeah. Cause this is, this is the part of the WDC cycle where have you seen, I, I forget what it's called. It's like the Gartner hype curve, something like that. And it's it's you know this thing that's been around forever. It's like this graph of basically it's like it's the graph of of the hype cycle of new technologies or new you know fads on on you know in in tech. And the the basic idea is like you know it spikes up really really high at first as everyone gets all hyped about some new technology or thing, and then it crashes down super low as everyone realizes that that technology cannot solve all the world's problems and isn't as good as we all thought it might be or or doesn't pan out the way we thought it would and then everyone kind of forgets about it and then it kind of comes back up and plateaus into a nice level of like general usefulness but you know not taking over the world and i think wbdc like we follow that same cycle throughout the summer and and honestly maybe the whole year where wbdc (laughs) keynote happens and they show off all this amazing stuff and our hype goes through the roof because we're we're so excited because they just gave us this great big marketing presentation and we're super excited about all this new stuff exactly the way they want us to be. And then there comes a little pit of despair after that when we see maybe certain things aren't as good as we wanted them to be or as ready or as much as we wanted them to be. And we kind of get, oh, man, this new API, it looked cool, but, oh, it turns out I can't use it. Or it turns out it has these limitations that make it hard for me to, you know, make useful work out of or whatever. And then as the summer goes on, we start realizing, wait a minute, now with this new, with this other stuff, we can do this, this, and this. And actually, here's all these little, you know, smaller improvements that we didn't really quite see up front. um, But now we're realizing, oh, this is actually really nice. And then it goes into that plateau of usefulness. And so I, I think right now, we should be, you know, kind of coming down from, from like the peak as we're seeing, you know, now we should be at the part of like, okay, these new APIs maybe didn't give us everything we needed or didn't give us everything we wanted, but we still have, you know, lots of good stuff and work to do. So where are you, where are you, you know, in, in your summer pattern here? Yeah. And I will, I just, I just looked up what you were saying. It's, yeah, it's the Gartner hype cycle and it starts with a technological trigger, then the peak of inflated expectations that followed by the trough of disillusionment. There you go. Followed by the slope of enlightenment <laughs> leading to the plateau of productivity. So those are the official That's names, it. which is great. And I, I would say I am definitely in that slope of enlightenment phase. So essentially the coming up out of the trough, because yes, like absolutely. At WDC, I mean, especially going to Apple Park, having that, that, that whole experience the first time in several years, like it was, I was definitely in the peak of inflated expectations. Um, and I think in some ways, like I don't, like that's not a bad thing. I think that was wonderful, very 
in a weird way, like cathartic or like therapeutic in a way to just like, yeah, we're back. Like we can do this. Like it was that, that excitement was wonderful to experience under even understanding that, yes, it over, you know, sort of it, it overshoots what is actually being announced, what is actually the reality of, of what this means. Um, that's fine. Like that was great. I enjoyed it. I, I, I loved writing that peak up. And then, yes, followed by the period of actually kind of wading through the announcements, actually getting into the weeds of, okay, what does this actually mean? What can I actually do? And then, you know, I would say there weren't that many ma- sort of massive uh, disappointments for me in terms of the things that were announced, but there were definitely was certainly some learning that had to happen. And, and then now I'm in that phase of like actually making concrete plans, sitting down and thinking through like, what does my summer look like? What am I going to try and get done? Uh, and me, my, if for the way that I tend to plan, I think about it as by September 1st, it's like the way that I do my planning is I want to plan things out such that by September 1st, they're done with, with the assumption that sometime in early September, the final beta, the final, fo- you know, the iOS 16 and watchOS 9 and all those will actually be released. And so if I'm ready on September 1st, that's a good milestone. And then I usually have a week or two of like, you know, extra slack there that I can use as I need to or to adapt to if there's new announcements um, that come out there. And I think for me, it's it's certainly a busy summer. Um, I think last summer I got off easy in terms of there was there was things to do, but it was very much kind of light touch kind of work that it was things that were making my apps a bit better and like improvements here and there rather than I feel like this year, there are certainly some big things that are these large you know, and, and, the, and it's probably moreover that, you know, my work is aligning with the marquee features of the releases in a way that that's the best place to be. I can tell from, say from experience that if you are in Apple's sweet spot in terms of the things that they're going to be promoting, the things that, you know, when they have their big iPhone event, which is probably one of the most widely watched, um, tech, you know, keynotes they do in a year. Like if you're, if your features and things are aligning with that, people are being told to look out for these features, to look out for them, to expect them, to have that big excitement. And so for me, obviously, it's like lock screen widgets is huge um, in terms of it's a, a big marquee feature. I think it's fun and interesting in terms of I like the way that they've gone about doing it. And for me personally, as someone who has spent a tremendous amount of time making watch complications, um, like I built Watchsmith, the app that sort of is the, you know, this the spiritual uh like parent of Widget Smith um, was entirely about like, I was so into complications that I made an app that all it did was let you design and customize complications. So <laughs> essentially bringing complications to the lock screen um, rather than, you know, it's the same technology as Widget Smith, but it's like built with the UI of a complication. So it's like, great, no problem. Like, I like that I can go into that experience feeling somewhat confident that I know how these work. I know what to expect. Um, and that's going to be, I think the, the big, bulk of my summer certainly is, you know, sort of fleshing that out and making that work. Um, and then I think beyond that, I think there, like, that's my big, like my main goal. And I think this this summer is going to fall into a lot of smaller kind of sub tasks and projects for the rest of my apps, maybe in somewhat similar to to a a flavor of last year where like sleep plus plus can take advantage of the new sleep stage tracking, uh, you know, technologies that are coming to watch OS nine. So I'll take advantage of those. Um, in pedometer plus plus there i can do the same thing with the lock screen widgets to put step counts there and um and then for watchsmith there's definitely going to be so this interesting tension i now am starting to run into of um that widgetsmith and watchsmith are becoming more similar 
and have much higher overlap in terms of, you know, as you now have complications and they're even built technically the same way, um, you know, complications in your lock screen, complications on your Apple watch and they're built, you can build them using exactly the same technology. And so I'm still, I think it'll be an interesting thing and maybe a topic we'll discuss at some point later of what do I do there? Is it worth kind of combining the two together, keeping them separate, whether I should adopt the technique, you know, add, it's like add watch complications to widget Smith or add, I mean, in some way that could go the other way around and I could add widgets to watch Smith, like, there's a lot of overlap there that there wasn't before, uh, but I think that's sort of my lowest uh, expectation in terms of where I'll be going because that feels like a project too that might be a good thing going into the fall and winter um, to to tackle. Yeah, I think this WBDC, the the more I look at at you know the actual SDKs and watch the videos and look at some of the APIs, the more I realize that what Apple delivered for me is not necessarily what I would have asked for, but it's what I probably needed. And in the sense that what they delivered for me is a relatively quiet summer. One that I I have a few new things that I want to adopt, which I'll get to in a second, but that most of what they announced is stuff that I don't really need to adopt or shouldn't or can't adopt um, with a few little things that I can. And then a whole bunch of frameworks improvements that I will very much use either now or down the road. And what's nice about that is that, you know, I, you know, I, I've talked for a while here, like how I've, I find myself, you know, buried under this pile of old code and massive amounts of UI and technical debt as, as, you know, I started Overcast eight years ago, um, you know, right before Swift and certainly long before Swift UI. And so, you know, I, I have this huge mountain of legacy code that I'm trying to, you know, dig my way out of slowly over time. And so what I really want and need to spend this summer doing is continuing to pay down that technical debt, um, you know, continuing to migrate a lot of my underlying subsystems to Swift, migrating a lot of my UI to at least Swift and and generally, hopefully, some more Swift UI as well, um, you know, because it's all still Objective-C code and, and there's, you know, huge mountains of things that I can get rid of. Um, like some simple things like the um, all of the like table row and and um, collection cell configuration changes they've made in the last couple of releases. I've adopted almost none of that because, frankly, I found it kind of <laughs> kind of uh, overbearing and, and odd and and uh, cumbersome to use any kind of custom behavior with. Um, and frankly, just I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, but. Now, like what you know, they they have even minor advances there, like the self-sizing table view cells, finally, and the ability to shove Swift UI into those new cell configurations for custom layout. That's great, like that, and that that's the kind of thing that will help me migrate towards more modern APIs and take advantage of more modern features as I you know bring this huge code base forward uh, and or try to at least. Meanwhile, all the like big headlining APIs that, that are there in in the new version are mostly things that I either can do very quickly and in like a fairly shallow way or don't need to do at all. So for instance, I was very excited when I saw the, um, I think it's called the the live activities on the lock screen, but a, that isn't out yet. (laughs) Like that, that API is one of those, you know, coming later this year ones and B actually using iOS 16. Now on my carry phone, uh, only for a couple of days, but you know, cause only since beta two, but actually using it now, I kind of don't think I need to do that because the now playing widget's always going to be there. Like if you're playing audio, the now playing thing is going to be in that spot. So 
I don't think I even can use that for anything useful. <laughs> so I probably won't need to do that. Um, the lock screen widget situation. Am I correct that it's only like those handful of monochrome widgets up top? It's not like the whole screen middle section? Correct. So there's the one that's called the inline uh, lock screen widget that goes above the time. That's yeah, sort like of, next that to the just date. Be, yeah, and it's one image, one text. That's all that you're allowed to put up there. And then there's the rectangular one that goes below the below the time and then the circular one that goes in that same spot. But yeah, it's one row of those. The middle of the lock screen will continue to be um, open space from a widget's perspective. I think things can slide up there in terms of live activities and notifications and things, but we can't put anything there. It's only that sort of the very thin one above and then the medium-sized row below. Right. And so because that's all it is... Frankly, I don't think a lot of people are going to find it useful to have Overcast there because I think at best I, I could either offer like an app launch icon, which I mean, okay, that's easy. I'll probably do that. Um, or I can use the little the little text rectangle type to show like the one <laughs> next episode or something, but that's not much to work with. I don't think that's going to be very used by my by my customers. And so I don't really have to do much there, if anything. And certainly I could even, you know, if I'm not there on day one, it isn't the end of the world. And then the focus modes API, I've already kind of asked some users and thought about it myself and figured out like, how would I integrate focus modes into Overcast? And the answer is, I don't think I need to. (laughs) And and, and I don't don't think it's going to be worth the UI for that. It's not really, I don't think it's the kind of app that you really need that for. And then... I want to do the share with you API because that's, you know, I, I have a lot of messages sharing that goes on in my app. And so that's that's great. And I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's about it. Like for in terms of user facing APIs that I really should adopt for for, you know, day one or near day one. Otherwise, I get to just bring my app forward. I'm going to bump up my required version up to iOS 15. Right now it's on 14. I'm going to bump it up to 15. I can start really taking advantage of a lot of stuff we got last year. I still haven't done any kind of, you know, Swift async and actor stuff yet. I have none of that in my code yet. So I'm looking forward to adding that in, starting to go down that path, and then starting to finally hopefully take advantage of some of these new Swift UI things that we've gotten. And so I basically have a year of a little bit of, of new shiny stuff for my users but mostly just the ability to keep pushing my app forward in terms of its underpinnings and its technical debt. And that, I think, is way more useful. And it's what I actually need right now. Like, that's the kind of thing I need to do so I can, you know, continue pushing myself out of the hole I've dug for myself. So that's that's the kind of somewhere I'm looking forward to. And, and that's what Apple delivered. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that sounds great. I think it's, it's certainly, especially, I think the perspective that you're taking with that sounds very sort of helpful to setting yourself up for success in the future like your, your, your continued success um by there's certainly yeah there's some things that you make sense for you to do but it does, there's not a lot that you need to kind of like try and f- sort of, I don't know, f- force into the next two months that you have a lot of those you have sort of some runway with to you know in terms of adopting new table cell like configurators and things like sure that sounds great and it's useful over the course of the year but it's not like you got to rush that in before september 1st you know your september 1st features are much more focused and potentially straightforward in terms of there are some things that you could use there but it's not um you know sort of over overwhelming in that way in the way that you know it's like i certainly feel a bit more pressure with like widget kit and it's like widget smith needs to be super impressive on day one with lock screen (laughs) widgets yeah and like 
that's a little bit of a pressure. But was, I think if yeah, if your overcast uh, lock screen widgets were just you know essentially play this podcast, you know play this play, play the next item in this in this playlist or resume or something, and in some ways treating it more like the the way that like the flashlight and the or the camera app are just like quick launchers on the lock screen, like could be interesting. But beyond that, you don't need to go do, go too far down that road because yeah, there's not. I don't think there's just much there um, that 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 would make sense for your app. Right. And, you know, if the widget system became, you know, more, um, I guess, real time interactive than it is now down the road, then I could do some things with those little widgets. Like, you know, like the way live activities are are apparently going to work. If I could do that kind of thing with the smaller widgets on the lock screen, then I could have a few a few other ideas and a few other, you know, little values I could provide to my customers. But it doesn't seem like that's in the cards anytime soon. So, in you know, it, for with what we have now, I actually have relatively little to do there, and that's fantastic. We are brought to you this episode by SourceGraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer. That's great. Now you have to get them onboarded. If your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get them up to speed with the project their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. SourceGraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. Developers know... Knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those that need it? As a code intelligence platform, SourceGraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without SourceGraph need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with SourceGraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. SourceGraph was created to make developers' lives easier. Today, they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use SourceGraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or click the link in our show notes to let them know that you heard about them from us. Our thanks to SourceGraph for their support of this show and RelayFM. So something, too, that I think is worth uh, just sort of touching on in terms of strategies for the summer, I think is is sort of talking through a a little bit of the way that I think I've found to be a a productive way to approach um, adopting new iOS features in terms of how to build them out, how to try them out uh, out in a way that isn't feel sort of heavy and cumbersome. And I think this is something that I've gone through, you know, many iOS versions, I guess I started in iPhone OS two or three, I don't even know. So it's been been quite a few. Um, and something that I find is I find this kind of adoption works really well to take a two-phase approach to development where um, I starting by like t- taking your app, you know, you're, you're, especially if you have a larger code base and just like opening it up and in the new, you know, in the new version of Xcode and starting to code, in my experience, will often lead to a lot of uh, sort of cumbersome work or things that you end up you, you end up fighting the tool in a way that is not productive. And so instead, what I found to be much more helpful is to create a lot of sort of little temporary projects to explore whatever the new API is, to explore and understand how it works, to potentially pull in some of the library code from your app to get a sense of how it might work in your app, um, but be able to explore it in a way that 
you aren't running into the things that always drive me crazy, where there's weird deprecation warnings or issues with, I mean, sometimes you even have things where like your project won't build the latest version of Xcode until you do this big refactor, or you need to make some changes to the way that your, your frameworks are linked, or there's some, you know, some fragile part of your project that um, gets broken by, by this change and trying to sort of, eventually you're going to have to deal with that though often sometimes those even just go away that like the xcode the new xcode like beta three or four is just better in a way that you are setting yourself up for more more success and productivity to just sort of wait to do that grand merge that grand refactor uh to deal with that instead just you know if you just set your deployment target to ios 16 in a brand new project and explore the feature, make sure you understand it really well, make some mistakes that you then won't make with your actual kind of big project. I find that to be very productive. And that's the approach that I take. I've been doing it so far this year. You know, like I, I, the only thing I do is I'll, for once, I will open up my, all my projects in the new version of Xcode and just do like a clean build just to get a sense of like, if there's some, you know, horrible thing down the road that I need to be planning for. But otherwise, then it's like close those, create a bunch of new projects, you know, so I have a bunch of projects that are just for me to explore how the lock screen widgets work, or to explore how the new sleep stages stuff works, or how the new some trying out some of the new Swift UI features, like I try and do these in these small little projects. And then probably, you know, sort of halfway through the beta cycle is when I'll start really starting to plug those uh, back into the main projects. And that's just something that I've found to be very good for productivity. Um, and I just wanted to sort of mention here in case that is helpful to someone else who is, you know, finding themselves frustrated by adopting these new features. And also it makes it easier. I mean, you can obviously manage this with your source control, but I try not to touch my main sort of my main code branch of the app such that I'm going to continue probably to need to do bug fix and minor releases over the course of the summer. And it be, while technically, you know, you can have two separate uh, source, source trees that you're working on, uh, cognitively, I find that to be really complicated and confusing. And then you have to manage, you know, pulling the code from one to the other. And so the degree to which I'm able to push off the, you know, sort of strong divergence in my source tree um, I find to be sort of beneficial and pays dividends to me down the, down, down the way. And so anyway, just, just a little sort of a little pro tip. I don't know how you handle it, Marco. With, I think you, you have a slightly different code base sort of situation to I have in terms of I have multiple apps with in all kinds of different stages of code and you just have one. But I don't know if you're uh, finding strategies like that helpful as well. Yeah, I mean, I do, you know, I, I think I do what is fairly common, which is I create like an iOS 16 branch of, of my app. And then, you know, and I will do any, any things I need to do there, um, where I need, where I need to build with the iOS 16 SDK. So that way I can still have like the main branch where if I need to issue an update before the app store will accept builds from the new Xcode, uh, which is generally, you know, before we have a GM, uh, so most of the summer, then I can, I can do that. But usually I've been fortunate that usually I have not needed to issue many updates throughout the summer. So usually, like you know, unless there's some major thing that I can that I can work around, um, you know, early in the summer for for the new betas, usually I get to just leave it and just do all of the work I'm doing in the beta branch. The downside of that is that I can't release any of that work until we have a GM. So if there are things that actually affect you know other you know, other customers, or, you know, things I want to get get issued throughout the summer. Sometimes I gotta, you know, deal with like a manually backporting only that change back and everything. So it's not a it's, a, it's not a great system, but that's usually what I, at least what I do. Um, that being said, 
I've been really slow in these past years to adopt the latest APIs and things. So oftentimes I will experiment with them throughout the summer or I'll, 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 I'll do that branch and I'll spend a few days making some new, you know, some feature with the new stuff, then quickly realize, eh, this isn't that important right now. And then I'll just go back to working in my main branch <laughs> and do all the updates there. Like, you know, one of the projects, like I have stuff going on this summer where I'm also um, doing some server improvements and I'm trying to uh, both improve performance of server stuff and also reduce the amount of server stuff that is on my plate directly, you know, throwing more stuff to CDNs or S3 or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I, I'm doing, you know, I'm going to have to do minor changes to the app and things like the sync protocol to talk to a different service in a different way or something. And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, that doesn't need any of the new stuff. And I want to get that out quickly. Meanwhile, if the new stuff is going to be, you know, a little, a little less important for me to, to get here, uh, then, this summer, like I haven't yet created that branch uh, because my app builds just fine and there's no major deprecations I need to worry about yet. Uh, and I'd rather just keep working in the GM tool set most of the time uh, and continuing to push my app forward to the brave new world of iOS 15, which I'm <laughs> which I'm requiring <laughs> soon. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, WBC usually it, it derails everyone's plans and it creates new plans. And, you know, in cases like, you know, you this summer, where you have a lot of relevance to the APIs that got changed and, and improved, you know, that makes sense. But as I mentioned earlier, like this doesn't this summer's releases don't really derail my plans much. And so I'm trying to exercise some self-control in a way and say, you know what, I was planning on, you know, I'm, I'm working on my now playing screen and these underlying code changes and these server optimizations. I think I should just keep doing mostly that because I still have a long way to go on that. And, you know, you know, as you mentioned earlier, kind of like setting myself up more for future success as things change more in the future. That's more important to me right now to, to keep going on the path I was already going on than to jump head, you know, head first into the betas and start using all these cutting edge features uh, that I really don't have much use for this particular year. Yeah. And and I think there's there's definitely some wisdom in that. And I will certainly I can throw out the note of caution that I've made the mistake many times of adopting trying to force new features into my app where they didn't really make sense in this sort of vague feeling that, well, if I do that, then magic will happen, I guess that like lots of people will download it or it'll get featured in the app store or something like that will happen. And very often I've just sort of created legacy support weight that I have to carry around for a while where there's this, you know, these, these parts of my app that aren't particularly used, aren't particularly important, but just sort of, I did because I kind of wanted to make it happen and wanted to say that, you know, whatever I use, I'm, I support focus filters or whatever that is. And did you make an iMessage app? I, I've made several iMessages. <laughs> I, I did a whole lot of work with iMessage that I now sort of, I think it's still in, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've just pulled it out anywhere, but I'm not sure if it's, anyone's ever used it. Um, but that's definitely something, one of those, an example of just being, be very thoughtful of just trying to force it into your app. If there's a new feature that you think will make your app demonstrably better that you, when you think about it, got you excited. Awesome. Like it is definitely obviously benefit. I can tell from experience, it is beneficial to be ready on day one. If you have an idea or a feature that will, is like really in the sweet, you know, sort of like that sweet spot of like, it's, it's new and interesting and you're taking, you know, finding a cool use for it, but just trying to force it to happen. And especially trying to force it to happen in a compressed, uh, timeframe is not necessarily 
the wisest thing. And I'm saying that as someone who has tried that and done it a lot of times, that instead it's much better to, if it's a feature that isn't that time critical, then you can push it out, let it be something that evolve, you know, that, that comes out a bit later um, in terms of if it's more of a technical, like adopting some new Swift UI feature or something like that. Like, don't feel like if it isn't a major user facing feature, adopting it on day one is kind of irrelevant that, you know, don't worry about, it's like, oh, wow, but now that I can do this cool thing in Swift UI, I'm going to take advantage and do that by September. It's like, you have any, any amount of time you want for that. It's only really the major, like marquee iOS 16 features that are going to get any amount of benefit from being there day one. And I think for those, it's like, make sure you have a compelling case. Make sure that when you saw that feature, you were genuinely excited. Because when I look back at all of my regrets, like I think about things like the iMessage App Store, or some of the features that I even, I, I sort of, like I tried to build some things with, um, like the, with, with iPad uh, drag and drop in the day. I sort of like, I was trying to invent uses for these features when they, when they came. But it's like I was a solution in search of a problem rather than knowing a problem that was benefit from the solution. And I think being aware of that and being careful can save you a bunch of wasted work that you can instead, you know, put towards actual things. And so in your case, like, it sounds great to, you know, there's a few little things that Overcast will benefit from. And then the rest, it's just like using the summer to be continue to like be, reducing the weight that you have to carry going forward and benefiting from you. It's like dropping support for iOS, older iOS versions, if that's appropriate, like awesome. Doing that just like streamlines your yourself going forward rather than necessarily like adding on more weight that you have to carry around, which, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of doing. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful, you know, next couple of weeks of summer going through all this stuff. I hope you are in the slope of enlightenment <laughs> or the yeah. plateau of productivity. Uh, and if not, I hope you get there soon. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.